Well, there are a lot of exciting things happening at Wayside, things like you've already seen today, the, the baptisms that have taken place and the ones that are to come. Uh, last week, we voted on a sanctuary seating project, which I want you to know passed, where we're looking at expanding the seating here in the, the room. You heard about the new shuttle lot that you can use uh, th- starting this week and beyond. That's not just for Easter week. That's going to be every Sunday that lot is available. Uh, so I ask you to avail yourself of that as a, another 100-plus spots have opened up over there. But we have another exciting opportunity coming, and it's listed in your bulletin. You see uh, that on April 3rd, we're going to be having another town hall meeting. This isn't about the seating project. This is about the possibility of purchasing a second location for a multi-site. And so you'll want to be here as we show you pictures and tell you where the property is and answer all the questions you may have regarding that. Uh, But the first meeting will be on April 3rd as we begin to talk through Uh, the property and the process of what uh, opening that second multi-site would look like. And then on April 10th, if uh, all things are moving forward, we'll have a congregational vote to approve purchasing that second location. So please put that on your calendar. Be in prayer. We're actually going to have a prayer meeting starting at 2.30 in the Fellowship Hall on April 3rd, and then we will have the question and answer time here in the sanctuary. So please mark that down on your calendars. Well, as you read through the Bible, you've probably noticed how many times somebody's name shows up, but we're not told who they are. Throughout the pages of Scripture, there are millions upon millions of people that are mentioned, and yet there are tens of thousands of those individuals that we're never told who they are. A name comes up, and it talks about a group of believers or a man or a woman, but we're not given their name. Now, sometimes they're included in a large number. It could be like the 7,000 who were said not to have bowed the knee to Baal when Elijah thought he was the only one left worshiping the true God. Other times it's in a group like Gideon's 300 warriors, those mighty men who went to battle with him. Sometimes they're individuals like the woman at the well or the little boy who shared his lunch with Jesus. Now, all of these people are important to God in the story, or God would not have included them in the scriptures that we hold in our hand. And as we read through these accounts, these stories, we may miss them, because often the spotlight is on an individual, somebody like Saul that we're going to be looking at today. But behind the scenes are people who are just as vital to what God is telling us. Uh, They're like the stage crew in a production. They're vital to what is happening, but they're behind the scenes or in the shadows, so it's easy for us to pass over them. As we look up, uh, pick up our story today in Acts chapter 9, I want you to look at those that God shines a spotlight on, people like Saul that we're going to be talking more about today. But I also want to make sure that you don't miss the many men and women that are just as important to the story and the work that God is doing in and through the church Uh, Those individuals make up the church. As we've been reading through Acts, we've seen it's the story of the church, the birth and the growth of the church. And it's these many unnamed saints that make up that church. And we today are part of it. As here in 2016, we're part of the universal church and the work that God continues to do 2,000 years later in our day. Now, when we left off last week, we were in the opening verses of Acts chapter 9. And there you'll recall Saul was on his way to Damascus. Saul, the Pharisee, had received letters to go to Damascus and arrest the believers that were there, men and women, and drag them back to Jerusalem for trial and the possibility of death like we had seen happen to Stephen when he was stoned. 
And God intercepts Saul as he's on the road. You'll remember that the resurrected Lord appeared to Saul. He knocked him off his horse. He saw a blinding light. And in that, he saw the light as he came to understand that Jesus Christ was indeed resurrected and alive, as people had been saying, that Jesus Christ was indeed the promised Messiah. And Saul placed his faith and trust in Christ as his Savior. Now, while Saul's spiritual eyes were opened, we see as we look at Acts 9, 8 through 9, that his physical eyes were blinded. It tells us Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they, this is those unnamed traveling companions we talked about last week, brought Saul into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, as Saul is there for three days without eating or drinking, it's not that he's depressed, where he's lamenting the loss of his eyesight. What he's doing is fasting. He's spending time fasting and praying. Remember, Saul was a Pharisee. They used to fast twice a week. But here what is happening with Saul is he's, he's setting aside everything to focus on this new revelation, this new understanding of who Christ is. And as he's listening to God and as his theology is getting set right, we see that God is at work in Saul's heart and mind as well as that of another believer across town. Because in verses not, uh, 10 through 14, we're told, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, if you look ahead to Acts 22.12, there you'll see that Ananias is described as being a devout man by the standard of the law, well spoken of by all who knew him. This is a godly guy. This is a man who loved the Lord, was living for him, and was listening. And God appears to him and gives him this dream. He tells him to go and see Saul. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago when Michael preached on Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, you'll recall that one of the things he told us is that we need to be obedient to God and we need to move forward even when we don't know every step of the way and what God is doing. And here we see Ananias is told to go. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to him. And yet, as, as he does so, he responds. He doesn't say no to God, but he does say, Lord, th- this is what I know about this guy. This is Saul. This is a bad dude. This, this is a guy who came here to arrest people like me. Word on the street is, he's here to arrest us, to drag us back to Jerusalem. And you want me to go and, and, and see this guy? And God responds in verses 15 through 16, go. For he, is a choice, a ch- for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God says, listen, Ananias, it's not you who's going to suffer, it's Saul. Uh, he's a guy that I've got a plan for, and you're part of the plan. So I need you to go and see Saul. Verses 17 through 18 tell us, so Ananias departed. He entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, I want you just to linger over that word for a minute. Brother. Brother Saul. You've probably been called brother or sister by other believers, and and it doesn't really register anymore. But this is the first time this guy Saul hears those words. Brother Saul. 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. Now, though there was fear here, Ananias says, I will go. God, you told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. And there are times in our own lives that God asks us to do something. I've never heard an audible voice, but I've, I've had those times where I know God's moving me to do something or he's directing through his word or other believers. Uh, and, and in those times, we need to listen and we need to respond. And we're not always going to have all the information. I mean, think about if you were Abram when he was back in Ur of 